We're just not used to using elements of our home in a way that supports other things than just dwelling. It's not only shelter. You've got these four walls. They're strong. They can become multi-purpose surfaces, multi-purpose in their functionality. And to me, that's at the heart of minimalism. Minimalism, what you're trying to do is you're trying to find fewer things that meet more needs. And so the wall and the floor are already there. They can be pieces that you can learn how to see in a broader way so that you're able to get more out of your investment in the structure, but also the fact that you're maintaining the structure and the structure's there. It's in your environment so you can use it. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. When the topic of movement arises, it often evokes thoughts of exercise. However, we tend to underestimate the constant positioning and motion our bodies undergo throughout the day, affecting our muscles and joints. In today's episode, author and biomechanist Katie Bowman and I delved into the concept of rethinking our position and explored strategies for nurturing healthier movements of our body parts. Those of you who have been listening for a while now may remember Katie from our conversation back on episode 192 that I'll be sure to link in the show notes. But like I said, this episode builds on that one. Her book is divided by various body parts, the head, neck, and shoulders, arms, hands, spine, pelvic floor, hips, ankles, and feet. So we kind of jump from place to place throughout this interview, but I know there's wisdom for everybody, pun intended, in this episode. But before we get there, I quickly want to share a minimalist resource of the week. I want to share a book I've been listening to on Audible called Reframe Your Brain, The User Interface for Happiness and Success. I will admit that I am interested in books that are considered more self-help or self-improvement. However, you don't personally have to be into that genre to enjoy this book. So author Scott Adams throughout the book gives over 160 reframes of the mind not just for personal success, but your social life, your mental health, and your physical health. I'll give you a couple of examples. You could say, I fail at 90% of the things I try, or you could reframe it and say, I only need to succeed 10% of the time. In chapter two, he says it really comes down to wanting versus deciding. We often will say, I want to do something, but instead you reframe it by saying, I have decided to do something. And if you look back over your life at what has worked for you and what has failed, what is the pattern? And oftentimes that is deciding. But again, those examples might not work for you, but I figure if you pick up the book, what are the chances that none of them will work for you? So keep an open mind if you do happen to grab this book. So again, the book is Reframe Your Brain by Scott Adams. I'll be sure to link it in the show notes. And with that, the only other thing I wanted to say is if you've been enjoying the podcast, I know a lot of you have reached out about last week's episode with Justin Whitmull early. If you enjoyed that conversation, if you enjoyed this one today, please leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes. It helps others find the podcast, especially as we're going into this holiday season and new year. Setting the intention to live with less is so helpful. And if it's been helpful to you, leave that rating and review. It means so much to me. Okay, and now let's get into the conversation with Katie Bowman. All right. Well, Katie, thanks for joining me again today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. This is your second time back. You were here, I think on episode, I wrote it down, 192, and we were talking about habit stacking your movement. So just including movement in the things that we're already doing. So you have a book that you just released, and it's called Rethink Your Position. This is kind of like, would you say a second chapter, would you say? Um, It could be, but it might be the previous chapter. You can think of them as a set. 
where, um, you know, Grow Wild and the idea of stacking was really trying to bring forward the idea of how to get just more general movement in your day without needing to go out and exercise separately necessarily. So a lot of the solutions were, you know, walk to the store, you know, bring your kids and like practice carrying more, do more physical labor, do things more slow. Slow is often the words we use for that sort of approach. Sit on the floor instead of always sitting in a chair. But for many people, the reason they don't do that is because like a part hurts. Some part of their body hurts. Like they would be like, I would love to take a walk, but my foot or my knee or my hip or my back or whatever it is, is the reason I don't do that. That is the barrier to being able to move more. I can't sit on the ground more. I can't carry something more. And so actually before, long before I wrote Grow Wild, this idea of uh, adding more general physical activity to each day. I'm a biomechanist by training is I was, you know, looking at how do people's bodies work and what has ultimately kept them from being more active. And it was really part by part problems. Grow Wild was organized in chapters of containers that you're in, right? Like, how do you get dressed in the morning? How's your home container? How's your, your education container? This is organized in chapters, but it's more like how's this area of your body doing or that area of your body doing rather than this or that area of your life. It's more like looking at your body joint by joint or sometimes, you know, region by region, like shoulders, elbows, and wrist is in one section, you know, and, and, and how do you look at getting those specific parts of your body more movement in the day? It's not about calorie burn. It's not about what your body looks like. I think so often these people in the health and wellness space are motivated by what does the physical appearance look like? And I think you are like, no, why is this contributing to why I don't feel well? And then everything's connected. Yeah. I mean, I just think that that approach of like the reason that we move is for how you look is such a, it's such an outdated approach. And I mean, it's not even that it's outdated. It's just that it might, it's not even helpful. Like it's not helpful for so many people. There might be some people for whom that's motivating, but I think most people want to feel better and you can feel better really quickly through moving more, through moving a certain part of your body more often. So that's definitely always been the way that I framed it. Like This is not about how you look. It's about how you work. You know, I'm a, a biomechanist because I'm interested in how things work. And just to that point, like my husband who's getting some orthodontic work, he was saying like he was irritated because it was like the messaging all over the office was like, I'm going to help you find your best smile. And he was like, I already had my best smile. I already had my perfect smile. I'm here for my bite. I'm here because I can't chew and it's hurting my body in this way. It's not because of how my mouth looks. My mouth is fine the way it looks, but it's not working well. And that's why I'm here. And so that's that is my approach to movement as well. It's like, I'm here to help you work better, feel better in moving around. How you look is not of importance to me. And I think, again, what you're doing, I don't think there's anything more intentional about thinking about the way our bodies are moving on a daily basis. So just sitting here talking to you, I'm sitting down and I see that you're standing and that's an intentional thought that you've made. It's a decision that you've made. I don't know if you stand throughout all of your interviews or if you have times of day that you stand, but just thinking about that and saying, this is what it's going to look like in the day to day. I also just think that's a great way to live more intentionally. Well, and that's in the introduction to that book, uh, Rethink Your Position was this, this statement that says, 
essentially, you're actually making thousands of choices every day with your body. You're, you're, you're choosing. And so if you're not aware that you're choosing, it's not as mindful that as it could be. You know, some of the choices you're making are habits that you've picked up, meaning other people have been ch- chose for you years ago, decades ago, and you sort of set that up. So by looking at all of your body parts and all of the um, ways those parts interact with different habitats that you find yourself in from the car to the computer, um, you know, or being on tech to walking to sitting and taking in your entertainment, all of those are opportunities for these small bits of mindful engagement. And then yes, you've set your intention of like, I'm going to pay attention. And then your other intention could be, and I'm going to make some adjustments to go towards this other goal that I've decided, whether it's, you know, I would like to be able to walk farther or to be able to walk without pain. Like you've set some broader intentions and then you're being mindful about how all those choices that you make throughout the day are moving you closer to or away from this bigger intention that you've set. So with rethinking your position, even in that title, again, we're having to think if we're going to make changes, but why do you think rethinking our position leads to a simpler life? I, if we just talk about stuff, if you're looking at like, maybe like, I guess you could say the opposite of simplicity would be thinking, you know, and processing and complication. But a lot of times the opposite to simplicity is a lot of stuff. And so much of the stuff that we have is standing in for doing things more with our body. Like I think a lot of the things we buy, we buy for convenience. Like, oh, it'd be so much easier if I just had this. But when I've looked at so many things that are like so-called time savers or convenience makers, at the end of the day, it seems like mostly what you're saving is the movement. You know, you're, 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 you're saving the actual physical engagement of the thing. And so when you pay attention to your seeking of um, simplicity through stuff, just keep checking in to make sure that movement isn't the thing that you're getting, you're getting rid of. I just think of simply bags at the grocery store, you know, and like the idea, like I I go into a grocery store often just because I'm grabbing a few items I will go for the more complicated use of my arms to save sort of the easier way of holding something. So that's, that's one example of that. So for the last couple of years, I've really wanted an Apple watch and I finally got one for my birthday, but you know what? It is just data. My watch will tell me how much I slept, how far I walked yesterday. However, it doesn't tell me exactly how to use the information to improve my health and wellness. And at this point, I don't have time to download and analyze the data. That's where my friend, Dr. Eric Quorum, comes into play. Eric was my guest back on episode 286. He's a sports scientist and he's built an amazing app called AIM7 that turns your wearable, like your Apple Watch, Aura Ring, Fitbit, etc., into personalized recommendations for exercise, recovery, and mental fitness. This app tells you exactly what you need to do each day to look, feel, and perform better, and it's all tailored to things that I like to do. Not only that, it also improves your ability to adapt to stress and become a more resilient person. 
Over 500 people have used the solution since it launched, and in just 30 days, the average AIM-7 member sleeps 16% better, is 19% more motivated, has 13% more energy, has 15% less stress, and lastly, 17% improvement in their mood. If this sounds interesting to you, you can try AIM-7 for free for 7 days and then just pay $1 for your first month by using code MINAIM7, all caps, M-I-N-A-I-M-7, on their website. The link is in the show notes. As you're trying to pursue a more minimalist lifestyle, it can be tricky, especially around the holidays, to figure out what to gift people. The fact is, most of us aren't going to stop giving gifts, but how can we be more intentional, sustainable, and prioritize quality over quantity? I have a great recommendation for you, and that's Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has perfect holiday gifts that are both luxurious and sustainable. They've been voted one of Oprah's favorite things for five consecutive years, and they're both comfortable yet stylish. Cozy Earth's best-selling bamboo sheets or their temperature-regulating, incredibly soft bamboo pajama collection is a great way to gift ultimate coziness. And Cozy Earth allows you to give the gift of loungewear that you can enjoy not just this winter season, but all throughout the year. So check out Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today, up to 40% off site-wide when you use the code MINIMALIST. Throughout your book, you've woven in various exercises with drawings that we can see to kind of how to do this. But what are three of your, I don't know, they don't have to be your best, but maybe that would move the dial most that you'd like to share with listeners today? Well, with part by part movement, right? Like there's the ideas of just again, getting more physical activity. But if we're talking about nourishing your particular body in your areas that tend to be reasons that you don't move more for often, like that can be like the hip or the pelvic floor for many people. A really good, simple move for that is the pelvic list. And it's like, it's such a simple move that you can do anywhere. It requires no equipment. It can be done on the playground. If you're with your kids, it could be done a very slow walk. If you're walking with toddlers, it could be done while you're standing in line at the grocery store. It's this idea of standing on a single leg. I'm not going to be able to explain the whole thing, but you're standing on a single leg and you're using your lateral hip and your glutes in this particular way to shift your pelvis up and down. That floating side of your body moves up and down. And it's such a good butt muscle exercise, which is good for your pelvic floor. It's good for your hips. It's good for your knees. Super easy move that again, you can do anywhere that you are. Another really simple one like that is a forward bend. I don't think we take really great care of our spines. And when you're younger, it doesn't seem to matter as much, but it will as you get older. So like if during this time, especially, you know, you're picking up things and you're staying pretty strong just through mom life tends to have a lot of exercise built into it. But as you shift outside of that, or even if you are dealing with kids now and you're stiff and sore in the upper body, the idea of just dropping forward to stretch the backs of your legs multiple times a day, you know, do it, try to do it five to six times a day where you are stretching out the backs of your legs, you're letting your spine relax. That's a very simple um, exercise that can be done. And I see so many parents spending a lot of time standing around. Like I have kids that play soccer and I go to the field and we are, my husband and I are always like walking the perimeter of the field. We're watching the game while walking the whole time for that whole hour is this built in walk. Now we have like people who come with us cause they're like, oh, I don't want to stand here and, and stretching the same thing. You know, you're always sort of stretching during this period of time. One other little tip is bring a small 
blanket or tablecloth, some place that immediately allows you to convert wherever you are to have ground access for better stretching. So like you go to the park and so many people sit on the benches at the park. Like, and if you don't feel comfortable going on the equipment with your kids um, or staying on the move and you wanna rest, at least put down that tablecloth or blanket that lives in your car. We have a small wool blanket, so water, wet, doesn't matter. Throw it down and then you can immediately just shift through some hip stretches and some shoulder stretches while you're already doing the other things that you're doing. It also serves like for a great ta floor tablecloth, you know, a picnic, an instant picnic. It's just one of those car staples that really um, offers a lot of movement. So those, that, those would be my three ways of just getting in more movement. And, and there's no limit on how many you can do, do those. Like you can do those really as often as you want. So one of the things that you talk about in your book is an underutilized resource we may have of equipment, I'm putting that in quotes, is our wall. So I'll allow you to talk a little bit more about this, but I will say from my own personal experience, uh, I've been training for a half marathon and one of my favorite things to do after I'm done is to go put my legs up on a wall just for, I think it's lymphatic drainage. I don't know. It feels great. So that is some way that I, or one way that I utilize the wall as a resource, if you will, but what would your other reasons behind that be? Well, a wall is so great for, I mean, a wall is like an excellent personal trainer in the sense of it helps you with your dial, your alignment in. So like if you've ever done like a yoga class or, or done a personal training session where they've, you know, told you to keep your ribs back or your head back or, or move your knee to this way, you can use the wall to actually see how you are organized in space. It's really hard when you're standing in open space to train your eye enough to see, I mean, everyone thinks they're standing up straight and then you go to a wall and then you're like, oh, wow, like my ribs are so far away. So, so much of that book is showing you how to see your body in a more nuanced way so you can actually tell what your alignment is. So you can use it as a, an alignment checker. And then you can also use it in the way that you were talking about, right? As this support system for different exercises. And a lot of people really resist getting down to the ground. I mean, that's like a huge internal resistance that we have. So, so many exercises require that you get on the ground. So the wall can kind of meet you halfway. Like you could do a downward dog version against a wall where your feet are on the ground and your arms are on the wall and you've got that same stretch out and you're dropping down. You get the whole hamstring thoracic stretch a lot easier for people to drip into their regular life where like, oh, if I get down on the ground, like there's dog hair down there, like, whatever your excuse is in your mind, you know what they are for if you're listening. You can use the wall for push-ups, right? You can use the wall to sort of elevate any movement that you want to do that you would normally do on the ground that you've convinced yourself you can't do because it's on the ground. Use the wall. I gave a lot of just different, like there's shoulder opening exercises you can do on the wall. There's, you like legs up the wall. My favorite is legs open on the wall. So next time when you're done with the run, after you go straight up, drop your legs away from each other. So you're sort of in a groin stretch. And that is an amazingly effective exercise for stretching, not only the hamstrings, but also the adductors, inner thighs, helping people with their knees, groin tension, even deep hip tension, pelvic floors is a really good one. So, and your floor is like that too. Your floor is another flat level. It's like a piece of exercise equipment that you're not using that use it. We're just not used to using elements of our home 
in a way that supports other things than just um, dwelling. You know, it doesn't, it's not only shelter. It's not only shelter. You've got these four walls. They're strong. They can become multiple purpose, like multi-purpose surfaces, multi-purpose in their functionality. And to me, that's at the heart of minimalism. Minimalism, what you're trying to do is you're trying to find fewer things that meet more needs. And so the wall and the floor are already there. They can be pieces that you can learn how to see in a broader way so that you're able to get more out of your investment in the structure, but also the fact that you're maintaining the structure and the structure's there, it's in your environment, so you can use it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that we overcomplicate it because we need all of these things. And I'm not knocking, it's nice to row sometimes in a rowing machine or to do a spin bike. I'm not knocking that, but I've had all those things. And what has actually worked for me, um, again, just having a full schedule has been just my body weight and exercises. Again, just being able to run, then come home, put my legs up. I do push ups, but I just needed to be consistent. And for some reason, adding more things did not make me more consistent. It kind of felt like another thing that I had to do. And it's like, if you're not even using what's around you, like just your own body, then like, let's get into that habit first and then add the other things. Again, I'm not knocking other people's choices and how to work out, but I do agree with you. Like, how can we best use what we already have around? Well, and or just expanding it. Like if you have a spin class that you love or you've got, if you have an exercise routine established, then that's clearly working for you, right? The modality is working for you. The timing is working for you. It's not really to touch that. It's to expand upon it. So like, if you'd love to support that by moving more outside of it, because I imagine for most people, it's not going to be more than a single period of time a day, right? But there's many periods in a, in a time, in a day. So the idea that you could get something that is nourishing and, um, you know, it's like eating. If you were trying to eat your whole day's worth of food in a single hour, you wouldn't feel differently than if you ate that plus sort of movement snack to the rest of the time. So it's just allowing more of your life to nourish you physically. It's not to, you know, not say that the other stuff isn't great or isn't working. It's just, it's not a complete movement diet. And we're just figuring out how to, how to see our body as something that can be moving a lot more often and to see more parts of our environment as tools to facilitate that movement. Okay. I have a question for you. I'm curious if anyone's ever asked you this. Are you ever uncomfortable or sore I can imagine trying to add so much movement to your day but then I'm like well if you're stretching maybe you're not as sore as if you were just always so stiff so what's your answer yes I mean I'm I think part of when I talk about the stages of um, development or you know stages of life we always think of like there's kids and there's middle age and there's older age but a big stage is just injury, right? So I go through periods of injury like everyone else. I have a hormonal cycle like everyone else. And and I have stress in life. And so much of the way we feel physically is not only caused by our physicality. It's also caused by the mental loads, um, the stresses in our life. So I have all of those things. I really move a lot every day. But I, because I'm, I'm cyclic, right? There's times when I need, there's periods of a day, there's periods of a week or a month, there's periods of a year when I need less movement and periods when I can do more. And so just like the idea that we're rhythmic in nature is really helpful when you're like, oh, I'm just not doing so much. Like, well, you're doing a lot of other things. And 
that's just the way it goes. And, and there's a cycle and it's coming around to more dynamic times. I would say that I have paid attention to the things that I do in my life that don't make me feel as good physically. And I'm really good in most cases of letting those things go. And sometimes they're movement related, like a modality of movement. Sometimes they're non-movement related. Like for me, drinking alcohol or caffeine was really part of like why I was sluggish or felt sore the next day. So I was able to be like, oh, I just don't, I don't actually like the way I feel outside of the time when I'm drinking it, so I just won't. And so like just, it's not to really talk about those things as much as there's many things in your life that are affecting the way that you feel physically. And just by paying attention, you begin to uh, correlate things and you can test things. Like you're, we're just experimenting with ourselves all the time. And, and stretching and definitely, I live a lot on the ground. I wear minimal shoes, you know, I'm unshod a lot of the time and I'm low and on the floor or the ground a lot. And what that does is provides lots of pressure related movement, like a almost massage type movement. And I think that that, and I sleep on the ground. I sleep on sheepskin, you know, and blankets, but it's not like super cushiony. And that's the key for me that I think has made it so I don't wake up feeling stiff or sore, unless I'm going through a cycle of injury. Um, I feel pretty good. And when I add more cushion to my life, I feel less good. That was an experiment for me of like, whoa, I, I thought that I would be the opposite, but I wake up more stiff when I've been in something sort of squishy all night long. So just experiment in that way and see what works for you. You talk about, um, well, you made me think about cycle and this is a whole other episode that I'd love to dive into at some point about just our female cycles and how we're on a four week cycle versus men. And I'm wondering what movement looks like. I, I mean, does it look different for you at the different periods of the month? I guess, is that something that you're in tune with? Somewhat. Okay. I am in tune with it. Yes. I think that I'm usually, I'm naturally an early riser. Like, I don't know if people have done like chronotypes before, but like I'm a lion, right? So I'm like up really early in the morning, even, and so like a lot of my work, a lot of my movement, it's, so it's thinking outside the exercise box. A lot of my movement is lower intensity constant, right? So um, and then I have periods of time where I do more high intensity, more dynamic things. And when I am at certain parts of like my menstrual cycle, I will pull back from that intensity because I have, I have energy that like, I'm very uterus forward at that time. Things are heavier. My breasts are heavier. My uterus is heavier. I can feel the weight. I can feel the pull. So I'm going to opt for something, um, like lower impact. And I don't do a lot of high impact stuff anymore. I'm 40, almost 48. Doesn't mean that that has to stop. But for me, like I just found that I wanted to do other things. Like I'll do high intensity, like spinning things or just going up hills. So I figure out a way to tease out what about certain movements aren't making me feel great. Like maybe I need to rest. It's really hard for me to pick resting instead of moving, but sometimes that's what I need. It's like, oh, I only have this hour to take care of myself. Do I nap or do I move? I need to choose napping more often because I actually feel better and healthier after the nap versus after the session. So I don't do that as much as I should because, again, I'm a lion as a personality. Um, some people might struggle the other way where the solution to feeling when I feel sluggish, I always nap and I never choose the exercise part. 
So we could all probably use a little balancing in that way. I need more napping, someone else might need more walking. But yeah, I, I definitely pay attention to it. And I, I watch my lower back is more unstable. Um, and I can, I can feel it. So like, I wouldn't do really heavy things. Like I might choose something that's more, um, core. I would still do core, but it would be, um, gent gentler, lower load. So you get fluent in yourself with time when you're paying attention. And that's, that's the best thing about getting older. I've noticed that I'm in my mid thirties now. And I, so me, I'm like, oh, I should have been preparing long ago, but I'm like, what can I best do for my body now to set it up for success long-term? That's obviously having strength. I know they talk a lot about wrist strength and the importance of wrist strength as you get older, but yeah, just really like tuning into my body. And like you said, I so often wanted to get up early and be that early morning workout woman. And for me, I actually work out better in the evenings and then I sleep better. So it's just kind of figuring out what it is best for you. I feel like my husband's opposite of me. But honing into your body, it does take a little bit more effort to do. But I'm like the the reward is vast and it's so worthwhile. But you really do have to just start noticing and, and then making the changes based on that. Um, I did want to talk about a couple more things. Again, your book is broken up into various parts of your body, which I really appreciate because if there is something that I think someone's struggling with an ache or pain, they can kind of go to that chapter and flip through it. But um, I do want to talk about hiking specifically. I know this is a weird place to put it in, um, but my husband and I love to hike. Obviously, Ohio doesn't have the best hiking, but I'm just thinking about when we were in Colorado and how just the descent is always killer on my knees. My knees hurt worse than when I was hiking up. Do you have any quick tips on how to manage that for people who enjoy hiking? Yes. And that's why I wrote a whole essay. Why your knees hurt when you go downhill in the book, because it is the yeah. most common thing. So yeah, the knee, when your knees really hurt going downhill, it's because one, your lateral hips aren't doing their share of work. You're doing the bulk of the work um, in the quadriceps. You're using the fronts of your thighs. We're usually more practice in using our thighs, less practice in using our hips, which is when you asked me about my top three, I gave the pelvic list because the pelvic list is that move. We're so unpracticed of letting the outside of the thigh help us down the stairs, down a mountain, and we just go all quads. And then the knees are like, sorry, like I was done three miles ago and you're still going down. So it's about using more parts of your body. So much of Rethink Your Position is about we have these preferences of our, of our um, form or our position that we bring to all these different tasks that we do. Like you've got a form for driving, you've got a form for lifting weights, you've got a form for doing dishes, you've got a form for walking. We all have a form. The problem is that form is probably using uh, not as many parts of your body as it could. And it's really common. We have these common patterns in our society. And the book is all about, here's usually the weakness in people's forms. So going downhill, using more of the lateral hip to let you down. Um, so it's like, if you ever imagine walking down behind a horse, if you ever walk behind a horse, horses haunches really, they're, they're not swinging right to left. The right side is dropping relative to the left and vice versa. It's like this um, piston motion. You need to put that back into your walk. And then that would mean that your quads do not have to do hundred percent. They can do like 50%. And you want to stretch your calves, specifically your soleus, the lower, deeper of the calf muscles, because the calves are also 
it's sort of like um, if you've ever um, done any rock climbing, you're like um, belay. Like your lower leg is really helping you lower down the hill. So if your calves are tight, they can't do that. And if your lateral hips are unpracticed, they can't do that. So the only thing that can do anything are the quads and the kneecaps are embedded in the quads. So when you contract your quads, those kneecaps get pulled deeply into the joint. So pelvic list is a lifesaver. I wanted to, I know that seems random that I threw it in there at the end, but I love to hike. And so I, yeah, my fellow hikers, good information for you. Where can people find you and connect with you online? Nutritious Movement is my company. So there's, in, that's the website, that's the social media. And I have a Move Your DNA podcast. It's after my biggest book, Move Your DNA. And, and I just kind of geek out on an hour of move. Like we just talk about movement on these rando topics. There's almost a couple hundred episodes to listen to. So that's another place if you're, a, if you're an audiophile, someone who likes to learn through listening. Well, before I let you go, these are just fast, quick fire questions for you. The first one is what's been a beneficial resource to you that you want to share with the listeners? Beneficial resource to me, a library. Oh my gosh, the library. If you're not using your library, use it. It is, it's got everything. It's got books and videos and audiobooks and bus passes. Go check it out if you haven't been there in a while. Yeah, I think that someone told me recently, ABC Mouse, if you have a library card, I don't know if you're familiar with ABC Mouse, but it's a great way that I've helped my kids learn how to read. So that's a great way to utilize your resource. It saves you so much money. If you're struggling with money, like so many people are right now, use your library. The library Mm -hmm. has, is this amazing community resource of, of, of just if you're school, if you're doing schooling, or if you want to learn yourself, if you want to read my books, you know, like you can get them from the library, go to the library. Absolutely. All right. Last question. What's something you can't stop talking about? I'm not going to let you say movement. What's something else? Um, well, this is October when we're recording this and I can't stop talking about boobs. It's like October is breast, it's breast cancer awareness, awareness. but it's really where I do a lot of teaching about how your boobs work and Mm -hmm. what they need. And so that's a big, like, I'll be doing that all on our social media channels and through our newsletters is talking about boobs. So I've been talking about them a lot with our team as, as I'm writing different pieces and doing different interviews, been very boob heavy. Okay. I will have to follow along with this because those are, those have been never changing on me here these last several years having babies. So that's, that's part. I mean, like it's, again, I just don't think we talk about these real, there are developmental stages that we're going through and we don't talk about them enough or we're sort of like stick with these three, but there's all these other changes. And this is a big one. Well, Katie, thanks so much for sharing your new book. I know it's been out for a couple of months now, but I can't believe it. this is like your 10th book, right? So many. <laughs> yeah, so many. Well, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.
When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.